0: are locked on Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome back to Locked On Colts, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host Matt Danley, and thank you for joining me here on a Thursday, February twenty third. And we are here today with none other than Joe Marino, NDT Scouting's Assistant Director. Uh, how you doing, my man?
0: Matt, I'm doing good. Thanks for reaching out and have me on the podcast. Uh I am anxious to talk Colts and NFL draft with you, so uh this should be a lot of fun. I am excited myself because we had a little bit of a conversation
1: there on uh, Twitter. It was more like a, a statement or so. <laughs> you knew that I wasn't too excited about the running backs going to the Colts at 14th and 15th. This seems to be uh, a very common occurrence through just about any mock draft. In fact, uh, I saw something the other day that there hasn't been a single lineman mock to the Colts at uh, in the first round at all in any of the big uh, mocks, and that's something that's totally off the radar for Colts fans. They've been mocked linemen for the past five years. Uh, and then this year, it's the running back position. So let's kick this off right off the jump, and we'll get all the way down here. And let me I'm going to run through your first 15 picks real quick uh, just so that the listeners can kind of get a gauge for it. But if you guys haven't seen this article, if you guys haven't seen Joe's uh, mock on Fan Rag Sports, please go check that out but I'm going to spoil a little bit of it here for you. Miles Garrett first to the Browns, Mitch Trubisky second to the 49ers, Deshaun Watson to the Bears at three, Jonathan Allen, Jaguars, Jamal Adams to the Titans, Marshawn Lattimore, number six to the Jets, Malik Hooker seventh to the Chargers, Taco Charlton number number eight to the Panthers, Reuben Foster ninth to the Bengals, O.G. Howard tenth to the Bills. I think you probably did that out of your uh, own self-preservation there to help your <laughs> your fan base uh, a little bit. Uh, 11, Solomon Thomas to the Saints. 12, Deshaun Kaiser to the Browns. 13, Sidney Jones to the Cardinals. 14, Tease Tabor to the Eagles. And the Colts landed Leonard Fournette running back out of LSU. So first and foremost, uh, you've known that Dalvin Cook has been the guy that's been mocked to the Colts uh, over and over again was it just to uh, change up a little bit here? Or do you actually think Leonard Fournette is a better running back option, uh, maybe for the Colts system, or just in general out of uh, uh, pure athletic talent? Uh, Do you think Fournette may be the better option there?
0: Well, I think what was interesting about this scenario is that when I got to the Colts pick and I started thinking about running backs, I still had Leonard Fournette available, right? So how many of these other mock drafts that you've seen that have the Colts selecting Dalvin Cook uh, don't actually have Leonard Fournette on the clock as well, right? Mm -hmm. So this was a unique scenario. And so in in my mind, when I was choosing between Fournette and Cook, uh, one of the overarching issues that came to mind is first, Dalvin Cook has some shoulder injuries and problems that Mm Uh, we need to be aware of and the combine is going to be pretty revealing for that. And uh, each team's going to have to look at his shoulders and understand how comfortable you are with them. So that's uh, your strike one. Now, the other issue that I've, I've been made aware of through some circles that I'm in is that Dalvin cook has some considerable baggage that's going to be coming along with him with some of his off the field issues, not necessarily what we've what's been documented uh, mm-hmm. and we know about, but, um, some other things, uh, and, um, uh, you know, not that I'm not, I'm not in the breaking news business, right? So I'm, right. I'm going to keep that to myself, but I think <laughs> there are some, there's some vetting that these teams are going to have to do not only on the injury side of things, but from a, uh, what the total package, the person that Dalvin cook is and and what is potentially going to come with him. Uh, so when I thought about all of that and, and that I actually like Leonard Fournette a tick better than Dalvin cook as a prospect, uh, the, the running back choice that I gave the Colts was Leonard Fournette for those reasons.
1: Now this is, and I, and my listeners have heard me talk about this probably four or five times, uh, mainly because we keep talking about some of these some of these mocks where we go to the running back but l- running back is a weird position for me just uh as a reaction to a draft if this is how the draft goes right now and the colts have leonard fournette in the first round i'm gonna have a hard time being ticked off about it you know he's uh, a really uh, a top talent at the position he and cook both are both very uh, dynamic options for For the Colts and are going to bring a a vast skill set, which the Colts desperately need in the backfield to come in immediately as a number two guy. On the other hand, this Colts defense has been just awful and needs some of this first round talent that's going to be available. And I feel like if we go running back, In round one, we're going to be missing out on some of these top this top level talent. Is this kind of not the case? Do you feel like the second half of the uh, of the first round may kind of uh, level things out a little bit and still leave some of that talent for the second and third rounds?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I think there's going to be quality defensive talent available in, into the second and third round. And when I really settled in on running back, because it's easy to pick just about any defensive position mm-hmm. to the Colts, right? Uh, my, my thought was this, and, and you have to understand that I am very much a get your running backs in the middle of the draft. There's too many stories of proven productive backs coming from that area, um, and uh, you know you can get starters. You don't have to. You don't have to draft running backs in the first round. But then I started to think about you know, Ezekiel Elliott and the impact that he had on the Dallas Cowboys. And Mm. I'm not saying that they're the same thing or the same circumstances at all. But when I've looked at the Colts and I saw they had a a top five passing offense and a bottom 10 rushing offense, that didn't really mesh well. It didn't make sense to me. Like when you are having that much success in one area, you know, you should have some more balance. And by getting a back like Leonard Fournette, it's going to make – Obviously, the rushing attacks better because you have one of the most talented people uh, that we've seen come into the NFL to play running back in Leonard Fournette. But think about the impact that it's going to have on that passing game. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you have that threat. You have that threat in the backfield that you've got to account for. Andrew Luck is going to have more favorable looks in the passing game because of the attention that the running back game or the running back is going to take. You know, in terms of different spacing and and having uh, more men in the box and and vice versa. The the running game, you can run it when you want to because of the threat of passing. So I think the, the dimension and layers that it gives the offense just to be more balanced and have better looks, be able to run it when you want to and throw it, you know, have a run look, but still have Andrew Luck able to throw it because you have numbers and, you know, how smart he is and able to get his team into the right plays. I think that it's just going to add another layer that's going to make this offense uh, tremendously explosive. And you start thinking about the receivers and T.Y. Hilton and potentially more chances for him in space. And uh, when I thought about what this offense could be with uh, that type of ground game, I, I overlooked the defensive help and thought I can get help there in the second and third round.
1: Hmm. Very interesting, because that's that's something that Colts fans are definitely going. I think, you know, and everybody has their favorites for for this first round. What what are we going to do? But the Colts have so much to do in free agency um, that I think that running back in free agency would kind of not be the smarter hand to deal when you have this sort of a running back class and you're so the cupboard is so bare on the defensive side of the ball I think that that's where you could double dip uh between free agency and the draft now let's say that everything's the same through the first 14 picks the Colts decide not to go running back here uh what would your pick be if it was not Fournette here for the Colts
0: you know the the more that I looked at certain players after I even wrote this mock draft, this is obviously a fluid process. We're still watching film and gathering information, but um, you know, you could, you really like some of these edge rushers that could have been available. Look at a Carl Lawson from Auburn or attack McKinley from UCLA. Both of those guys, I think are going to be dynamic pass rushers in the NFL. That would be really nice fits for the Colts. And then when I looked at cornerback as well, uh, I, I did Marlon Humphrey, uh, his deep, uh, my deep dive on his film Monday night in this, the mock draft I turned in on Sunday. And I came away blown away with Marlon Humphrey's tape. And I thought he was a tier one cornerback in this draft. And so I think Marlon Humphrey, Marshawn Lattimore and Sidney Jones are the tier one corners. And I think what, what with the way that the scenario so the scenario outplayed itself before the Colts pick that you would have a Marlon Humphrey on the board and you can get a, a tier one corner like him. Uh, you know, that would be another interesting avenue to go. So I don't necessarily like the linebacker options at this point, you know, in terms of off ball guys. So in terms of edge rushers and cornerback, I think that's where the value, you know, given the scenario that played out in my mock draft would be the best choices for the Colts if they didn't go running back. And so you got you have been high on Hassan Reddick, correct? I'm very high on Hassan Reddick and I like him very much as either a three four Mike or a four three Will. Um, obviously a transition. He played defensive end in college, but he started that transition at the senior bowl and he really stood out. He's quick. He's quick to process and closes fast. Uh, He has a lot of mobility in space. He can run sideline to sideline. He can cover uh, just based on athletic traits, his ability to carry tight ends and running backs into space is obvious. Uh, So I like him quite a bit transitioning off the ball uh, from the edge to off the ball. So in terms of a three, four Mike, yeah, I think Hassan Reddick would be a really nice pick. I don't think he's better than than Marlon Humphrey in terms of an overall prospect in a vacuum. So I would still go Humphrey in that situation. But Reddick's really exciting. I think I pegged him uh, to the Giants in the early 20s. So um, yeah. interesting player that that I think is going to be a good pro.
1: I was curious about that, if you thought that might be a little bit too early for him uh, there uh, versus what, what talent would be left on the board. Um, you know, one of the things that I think Colts fans have understood is that the Colts need uh, possibly another lineman. I think that uh, a lot of us would rather all that happen in free agency because uh, it, it's a noticeably uh, bare—I bear may not be the right word, but a, a less talented offensive line group than we've seen in years past. And there's a couple guys that have caught my eye, but I'm not, offensive line's not really my thing other than I can see when guys are successful, more uh-huh. or less, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So when I look at a guy like Garrett Bowles, and I know that his age could play a factor in this is what, he's, what he'll be coming in, but you had him going 20 to the Broncos. Is 15 too early and, and kind of out of the realm of possibilities there for the Colts, do you think? Or uh, would that be, if the Colts wanted to go offensive line, uh, What would he be a guy that
0: you would plug there? Well, it's interesting because that uh, where the Colts were picking, they would they would have had their choice of offensive line, right? I didn't have any going before them, so they could have right. the opportunity to pick their highest rated offensive lineman. Um, and specifically on Garrett Bowles, you know, I'm not going to nitpick five spots. If I thought he was worth a twentieth pick, then he's probably worth a fifteenth pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Garrett Bowles, you know, the the overarching concern is always going to be the age. And not necessarily because you can't get a good eight years out of him. It's just that how much better can he get? You know how how much uh, development is really going to be on the table? And I like Garrett Bowles quite a bit. Um, I think he's got excellent feet. That's obvious. He's a really I think he's going to be a left side, uh, you know, blind side protector in the NFL. I think he's got that type of mobility, feet and pop in his hands. He's a very aggressive run blocker. Maybe a too a bit too frenetic at times. Where he's so aggressive that he's almost out of control. But if you watch a tape, this guy's pushing guys off the screen. You know, mm-hmm. Get a ton of movement. Um, so um, for me, I, I didn't, I don't like these offensive linemen enough to to start drafting them at fifteen. Um, and, and to me, there's going to be better value seeing what's available in the second round, and probably ultimately getting some of the free agent options that are available uh, because the for all the, the top four or five offensive tackles in this class, there's things that I really like about them, but then there's things about them at the same time. I'm actually writing a piece for Fan Rag Sports that'll come out next week about the offensive line offensive tackle specifically and, and the cause for hope and the cause for concern and, and there's notable things on each one of those top guys in each category that, you know, is gonna make you make you second guess and probably just take a different player.
1: Now, I saw Mike Mayock actually had Cam Robinson listed as one of his top five guards.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you,
1: how, do you, how do you think he translates to an interior lineman?
0: It's interesting because one of my gripes about Cam Robinson is the mental side of the game. He, he commits a lot of false start penalties. He misses, He misses his assignments on twists and stunts quite a bit. And I worry about him, not that he's not strong enough to handle the power right on top of him, but everything on the interior happens quicker. And so when you already have concerns about somebody's mental processing and then you make him play faster on the inside, it's a concern. Now, from a power perspective and his his core strength and his power in his legs and in his hands and his ability to re-leverage his, his hips and absorb contract, contact and redirect it, I have zero concerns, certainly from a physical perspective. Uh, side of things, he can absolutely play on the inside. Uh, but I, I am a, of the opinion when you have these these offensive tackles in college and they meet the baseline arm length, uh, and, and they have enough movement. that you let them fail at tackle before you move them into guard because that those types of transitions are a lot easier said than done. There is a muscle memory. There is a, uh, you know, just how you make your steps and, and how you uh, you know, you shoot your hands and, and your, your fit work is all muscle memory. So you're asking someone to, to change up what they've done for, you know, probably three, four seasons for most of these offensive linemen and asking them to do it completely different. And not only that, but do it against the best football players in the world. So I'm always very, very hesitant to start moving guys around on the offensive line because it it does seem like such a a simple, simple thing to say, but a harder thing to do. Uh, I'm going to give Cam Robinson an opportunity to fail at left tackle before I think about moving him.
1: And that makes sense. And I really, I like that. Not only do I like that answer, but I like that thought process. Um, as a guy who's seen uh, this happen to a few different guys on uh, on the Colts in the past, uh, it seems like when they try to, it, it, and I think that you've got to have a really keen eye for something like this to be able to make that work. Whether it's uh, moving uh, a linebacker, or excuse me, moving a safety into be uh, become a linebacker or uh, vice versa, you know, just whatever the the the, the taking from one position and formatting them into another position, that's something that, like you said, let them fail at what they're doing first. Don't just do it because simply you need some a body at this position or whatever because that ultimately will end up being a wasted pick in the end more times than not. Would, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I agree, uh, but then there's exceptions, right? Julie, uh, Jabril Peppers is six foot 6'205". He can't play mm. linebacker, right? He's got to play right. safety. Hassan right. Reddick is 6'205". Uh, Six six one two thirty. Yeah, you know, he he's not going to play edge in the NFL. So some guys just because of their 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 size they have to move. But mm-hmm. in this situation, you know that's just you're you're just moving a guy to move a guy uh, to for your own benefit where it's maybe not where he's most comfortable and and you don't have to do it. So I think there is a difference, but I think that's a great point as well, Matt.
1: Right. Um and, and well I think that the Colts are kind of in that situation now, although it may be me more fan and media driven a little bit just to find some interesting storylines in the off season, but Clayton Gathers is a little larger of a safety, you know, and a lot of people have been driving the conversation about possibly moving him into a linebacker role. Um, and also I think that might be out of necessity because the Colts don't have any linebackers right now, you know, they're, they're a little bare there too. Uh, but let me go through the rest of your draft. We'll, 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 in this exercise here, we'll stick with Fournette being, uh, the Colts pick at 15. You had Corey Davis going to the Ravens at 16 cook to the Redskins at 17, Mike Williams, a receiver, uh, to the Titans at 18. David Njoku. Is it Joku or Njoku?
0: Oh, gosh. I think it's Njoku. <laughs>
1: okay. That's how I've been saying it. I wasn't really sure. I think that uh, I've heard it a few different ways myself. wasn't really sure what was the right way to go there. Uh, yeah, him going to the Bucks at 19th. Uh, like you said earlier, Bulls to the Broncos at 20th. Gary and Conley to the Lions at 21. Derek Barnett, somebody that a lot of people have seen uh mock to the Colts a couple times here. He's definitely interesting for Colts. You had him going to the Dolphins at twenty-two. Uh Hassan Reddick, another guy we've mentioned in the uh earlier, to the Giants at twenty-three, Alvin Kamara out of Tennessee to the Raiders at twenty-four, Patrick Mahomes to the Texans at twenty-five. I think that's really interesting and I kind of hope for that because I get as as a as a fan of good football, I want to see the Colts with good competition, but I also want to see interesting football. I don't want to see the Colts suck, and I don't want to see anybody else in the division suck. I want to see quality football within, and I think Patrick Mahomes going to the Texans here in your mock makes it much more interesting than anything Brock Eisweiler could possibly (laughs) hope to do. And I would love just to see – even if he failed, which I would never want that – uh, for anybody coming out of school that's not i'm not hoping for that, but i'm saying I would rather watch Patrick Mahomes play his game and fail than Brock Osweiler succeed at his. He is a just a a mind numbing quarterback and watching him play just makes you want to fall asleep I almost had I had a lot of trouble watching him this past year, and uh I feel sorry for the Texans in that they wasted a ton of money on him, and now you know, they are kind of limited, at least in this coming year where, uh, this would be the year you'd kind of want to put everything together. If you were a a Texans fan or somebody, uh, uh, putting that roster together for the Texans, because you would have those, uh, options with you and you got guys coming back, hopefully, you know, a a solid team, a good roster that, that played well outside of the quarterback position. So. Uh, That's an interesting pick there at 25. You had Cam Robinson going to the Seahawks at 26, Tack McKinley to the Chiefs at 27. Uh, Some guy who, Carlos Henderson, who has been uh, really getting a lot of uh, attention lately, a wide receiver out of Louisiana Tech, correct? Yes, he's good. <laughs> yeah, people are loving him uh right now on Twitter, especially. He's getting a he's getting the gif the gif
0: uh treatment <laughs> on Yeah, for he, sure. he he deserves it. He <laughs> and and unfortunately this is kind of an interesting point here is is the point that I made, and I'm sorry to to bring this up to to a Colts uh, yeah. podcast but you know <laughs> one of the things that i've been saying I, i've been asked about carlos henderson i was on uh, uh, espn radio in in louisiana this past uh, week and they asked me about carlos henderson and the point that i made was if philip dorsett can get drafted where he did oh yeah you know carlos henderson's a much better football player than philip dorsett yeah. and uh uh you know we see these guys uh, you know, Tavon Austin and, and uh, Corey Coleman, these guys get drafted in the first round. And, and for me, Carlos Henderson's a superior player coming out. He's going to be a legitimate six foot around 190 pounds. So he's not a smurf. You know, mm-hmm. this guy's this guy's uh, gives you the, the speed, quickness, yards after the catch, the ability to go vertical, good hands, good ball skills, uh, and, and just that dynamic ability with the ball in his hands. With a, a decent amount of size to go with it, the NFL's taken taking much worse guys in the first round that do the same that do what they want Carlos Henderson to do in the NFL. So uh, this is one for everyone to tuck away in their back pocket. And when uh, when the combine hits Indy uh, next week and everyone's talking about Carlos Henderson as a first round pick after that, y'all can remember that I said it first.
1: Mm-hmm, and give me the little the little one-two punch there with uh, the clowning on the door set pick and then hitting me with Tavon Austin, who sucks, and the only thing he's ever done was against the Colts in 2013, where he ran a well, couple kickoffs back. We ought to so. move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marlon Humphrey, you had going 29th to the Packers.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you right now, I was too low on that. You so. think so? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. He's tier one cornerback in this class. So uh, if if Marlon Humphrey gets to the Packers at 29, that would be a a shocker. So if I had anything to do over in this draft, this mock draft that I I put out, it would be that uh, you could swap him out for one of the cornerbacks that went much earlier.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to uh, keep that in mind when we go through. Because you know what? The more mocks uh, like this that you do, uh, you have to kind of supplement certain guys in certain areas and unfortunately one of these guys that nobody expects to be past the top 10 or even the top 15 is gonna not fall necessarily but they're gonna land in the bottom yeah. of the first round that's just the way it goes every year
0: well um, yeah it's just a numbers game right we right now we there's 15 names being mentioned as top 10 picks right wow <laughs> well yeah. got news for you they're not all gonna be you know for top 10 picks so it's it does come down to numbers and guys' are, they fall, quote unquote. Mm-hmm.
1: I I agree. Now, Carl Lawson, you had going thirtieth to the Steelers. I loved his tape. Tell mm-hmm. me what people are finding wrong with him.
0: It's nothing on tape. It's the hips. He's That's got what uh, I it, thought. Yeah, he's got some injury stuff. Uh, this guy, if you watch his tape uh, last year, he was healthy for the season. I mean, uh, as dynamic an edge rusher as you're going to get with good technique, power he's not a big guy, but he has the ability to anchor and set the edge. I mean, when you talk about a stand-up 34 outside linebacker, uh, from a, uh, from a traits perspective, I mean, he checks every box. Mm
1: -hmm. He, he seems like he could, uh, really set a a team on fire. Um, but that injury stuff, you know, you just never know with that, but uh, everybody's going to be getting these checks here in the next week or so, uh, at at the combine. So that'll be, Interesting to see kind of what storylines come out of Indianapolis for that. Uh, Caleb Brantley to the Falcons at 31, and uh, Jabril Peppers to the Patriots at 32. So if we if we rewind back to the Colts taking Leonard Fournette, where are the Colts now? Legitimately, when thinking of second round uh, talents for I mean for all the defensive positions basically. Uh, where the Colts are in need, and, and maybe even offensive line as well. Where are the Colts in the second round as far as uh, maybe top-level talent that they can still achieve?
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of names. Um, I'll, I'll give you just a kind of a quick blurb on some of them that come to mind. Uh, from an offensive line perspective, you know I've still got a lot of good offensive tackles available. Ryan Ramchek, he's probably got the best tape of anybody in the class in terms of offensive uh, tackle, but uh, he's got a hip injury and he's having a labrum surgery on his hip. And um, you know we're not gonna. We're not going to see him at the combine, and so we're going to have to uh, trust that he'll be ready for the season. But his tape is is outstanding. It's first-round caliber tape. Um, when you look at some of the more the defensive options, Jared Davis, a linebacker from Florida, would uh, be perfect as an inside linebacker. I think he's got a lot of the physical traits to play three downs. He's physical. He, he can attack downhill and close in a hurry. Um, you've got, uh, a guy like Chris Wormley out of Michigan, who's a pure power guy. Uh, you know, you can put him, uh, as a five technique on rundowns and let him rush from the interior on passing downs. And I think he's, he's a really nice player that I actually did his film study today. I have a lot of good safeties available. Obi Melifonwu. I mean, my goodness, you want to talk about a special player. He's six four, two twenty, 220 has speed range physicality. You know, he He's a guy that um, I, I just couldn't find a place for him in the first round. But if he, you know, he's probably going to go in the first round just because people as big as him shouldn't move as as fast as he does and have the ball skills that that he does. And then uh, one of my most favorite players in this, this class is Derek Rivers. There he uh, is. I knew yeah, he was coming. You knew it. Yeah. The Youngstown State edge player. He blew up the Senior Bowl. He's got great tape. Uh, obviously, when you're watching a guy against lower-level competition, you're always a little concerned about, you know, how how they're going to stack up. But if the Senior Bowl was any indication, he's going to be just fine. A ton of production, uh, and and I think he's a ready-made 34 edge. I think he's the player that a lot of people want Ryan Anderson to be. You know, the Alabama through 34 outside linebacker, mm-hmm. uh, Derek Rivers offers a ton of power and a lot more f- flexibility and fluidity in his frame to really get the corner on these offensive tackles uh so you know if Derek Rivers if the if the if the Colts went Leonard Fournette Derek Rivers I mean that'd be a heck of a one too, in my opinion so I think there's a lot of options in the second round that I you know even if you start getting to the cornerbacks the Tredavious White still available out of uh out of LSU and um uh the uh, the corner from the other corner from Washington and Kevin King I mean there 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 are there is a ton of options. Jaleel Johnson, the Iowa defensive lineman. So mm-hmm. if you think if you think the cupboard's bare, you know if the scenario, you know it's February, right? The scenario that I presented is is not likely going to happen. But if it's close and in you look at the way things unfolded, I mean i i've got I've got talent for you in the second round, Colts fan on defense. So <laughs> so you know, not to say that uh, you if you don't want them to take a running back and you just. You think that the running backs right now would be a better choice and get one of the more premium defensive players? Well, that's fine. That's going to be a preferential type thing. Obviously, what Chris Ballard wants is is what's going to happen. But uh, right. you know, the cupboard's not bare. The cupboard's not bare at all at this point in the draft for defensive help.
1: And that's kind of interesting how you think about that because if in your head now you're processing the Colts have Leonard Fournette and Derek Rivers, or uh, the Colts have. Uh, man, I don't know. Carl. We'll uh,
0: say they have Carl Lawson and yeah. Kareem Hunt, or yeah. Carl Lawson and Christian McCaffrey. What What makes you more excited? Right. What side of the scales? You think higher ter- than the other. That's think in terms of combinations. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I like I like that Fournette Rivers, Fournette Melifanwu, Fournette Jaleel Johnson, Fournette, and any defensive player I just told you about is mm-hmm. better than you know some of the what I think is a little bit riskier talent, right? You mm-hmm. know, talk McKinley stud football player, Carl right. Lawson stud football player, but they have injury concerns. I don't have injury concerns about Derek rivers, right? You know, now, so, oh, but go ahead. on,
1: on the other note, then do you legit see Derek rivers. I mean, cause he's been in the top, Uh, in the first round in a lot of you know or well let me say that again people are moving him towards the top of the or the back end of the first round as far as his talent uh from from his film work and stuff he he kind of started out as i love this guy in the second round and now it's like he's kind of moving towards the end of the first round for a lot of people do you i mean is he legit a top talent in here who would who would be one of the guys uh that has been uh talked up considerably since all this process started as far as an edge uh, player that you think Derek Rivers could, and I don't mean that they play alike or anything like that, that they're similar in their styles, but who's a guy that you could say, flip a coin, you're going to get a great edge guy with this guy or Derek Rivers?
0: You know, if I didn't have injury concerns with Carl Hawson and Tack McKinley, you know, geez, I'd really... I'd really like those guys, um, but yeah. I have injury concerns. Um, but I mean, I think when you start talking, you know, flip a coin, I think the, the, the name I mentioned earlier and Ryan Anderson, um, very similar in terms of what I think they're going to do, not necessarily stylistically similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, uh, you know, I, I think if you want that ready-made 34 edge that can rush the passer, play the run, uh, get out into the pass coverage, you know, these guys are ready to do it. And, yeah. uh, th- those are, those are my guys. You know, I think that's the flip of coin guy uh, to answer your question on that.
1: Now he's got some off the field issues. Is that correct?
0: No, I, n- not Ryan Anderson. Tim Williams, the other Alabama. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. yeah. That's so right. that's that's alarming stuff. I was tipped off on that over the summer. Some circles that I'm in, and uh, again, like I said about the other guy, I'm not in the breaking news business, and I'll keep that to myself and let other people do that. But uh, it's it, it's it sounds like it's at a at a Randy Gregory level of a, mm-hmm. of drug issues. And, um, you know, kind of, you know, not, not exactly the same, but when you start thinking about the guys with off the field issues and injured guys and, and mm-hmm. you have to, you know, these draft picks are huge. You got to have return on investment. This is your capital. This is how you make your team better. You yeah. need to know that you're going to have reliable football players. You know, Bill Belichick, what does he say? Your best ab- ability is your availability. Cause if you can't get on the field because you're suspended or you're hurt, you can't help your football team, and, mm-hmm. and so you gotta. You need to get guys that you think, you know, they're going to be there for you. They're going to be reliable, and and you know, unfortunately, with Tim Williams, um, there's there's some some highly questionable things going on there, and whether or not he's going to be able to step away from uh, some of his problems, and and I hope he does. I really do because he's a talented player. Mm-hmm. But um, when you start talking about, well, all right, this guy's similar and he doesn't have drug problems, you're probably going to take the other guy. So. Right. Uh, that's uh, that's the unfortunate part of this process is that these are people and you know they have different issues and um, it's to their detriment. So
1: yeah, all and the best. I, to and that's yeah. too bad too because uh, you get into situations like that where it's really all about priorities with each guy. Uh, yeah, I made a mistake, but my pro- priorities are right. You know, I'm it's not an issue long term or anything like that. That's a completely different story than – This guy just can't get out of his own way. He's constantly doing this or doing that. And that was really Gregory's issue, and he's kind of proved that since he's been in the league as well. And I think that a lot of people figured that to be the case. Uh, If this guy doesn't get his head out, uh, he's missing out on, A, a ton of money, and, B, I mean, is there a better career in this world than playing football for money? I mean, just in general, having, you know, the best job in the world, other than, you know, us who get a critique it and write about it, you know, I mean, (laughs) it it just doesn't seem like uh, that it would be that hard of an issue to overcome, uh, naturally, when you start dealing with substances and stuff, other things at play, but it it just, you got to think that somebody's going to, you know, shake the snot out of him one time and be like, wake up. And, and hopefully that's the case
0: yeah it's it's tough it's a people thing right I mean even even you know I'll be very broad with my statement here but there are people there are things that everyday people do that are going to kill them but they mm-hmm. continue to do it <laughs> and uh and, and people gee, addictions are hard to shake right? And, and, right and even though the the ultimate overarching issue is that you're not going to get to play in the NFL or you're gonna die sooner if people just They can't shake addictions, and it's a powerful, it's a powerful, you know, uh, shackles to be in, if you will. You're kind of chained out by that stuff. And, you know, I can only hope that people get help and, and, uh, understand the the full weight of the decisions that they make and how it really does impact the future.
1: Yep, I totally agree. So now we're playing the game where the Colts (laughs) now have Leonard Fournette and Derek Rivers out of their first two picks. So the Colts have a third round pick coming up. And we've got an edge rusher. We've got a running back. Uh, where would you go next?
0: Well, you know, it's – it's a lot of it's going to depend on how the board unfolds. Um, so, you know, I, I think when I start thinking about the depth of this class, I, I start getting excited about the cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of really quality guys uh, that um, even into this part of the draft, uh, in, inside the top 100 – that can help a team. You know, look at a guy like Cam Sutton from Tennessee. Everybody was pegging him as a first-round pick over the summer. He got hurt uh, with a foot injury, and he wound up coming back and finishing the season. But he lost some of his thunder, and, and he's good. He's a really good punt returner, really good cover guy, can play the ball well. Look at a guy like Corn Elder from Miami. Mm-hmm. Talk about a guy that likes to just come up and hit people. Uh, can win and press uh, situations. Really nice inside uh, option. Um, can mirror and play the ball. He doesn't have a ton of long speed, but what he can do in short areas and zones pretty exciting. Um, you know, so so some of those cornerback options at this point in the draft, I think, are going to be pretty nice um, for. The way that things will unfold. So, go ahead and help help yourself in the secondary here, and uh, <laughs> you know you've you've had a nice one, two, three, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Is any expectations of Melifonwu still being on the board in the third round for you?
0: Oh gosh, no, no. Uh, I I um I think he's. You know, it's tough, right? Kind of like what I said with the top 10. We're talking about 15 guys. You know, for the first round, you know, it feels like we're talking about like 50 guys for 32 slots. And, and uh, you know, the, the combine is going to be decisive, right? So there's going to be people that just are not the athletes people think they are or uh, information comes out, medicals. They got, the, you know, degenerative knees and you know, all this stuff's going to come out. So that's going to help, help us get a better understanding of where this is going to go. But, man, Melifon, the problem is he played for UConn. And I did – I I actually interviewed Melifon at the Senior Bowl and wrote a piece on him, and the title of the piece was, you know, Obi Melifon is flying under the radar no no more. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of – I think his – at Yukon they've been so bad over the last 4 years and he's just been a really good player on a bad team and you know now that he's been at the senior bowl and he you know he's checked in at a chiseled 64 220 and you see him run around you go back and watch his tape because nobody's watching UConn. so nobody knows about him in season right. uh, you go back and watch his tape and you're like holy crap this guy's got range and he's got ball skills and he can cover tight ends you know look at this NFL look at these tight ends that exist now these big freaky guys that can run well, this is your chess piece. This is your guy that's going to be able to match up with, you know, your OJ Howard's coming in and your David and Joku's, uh, and they can handle those guys one on one. And now you don't have to commit two guys to these big, big slot receivers or these big tight ends. Uh, you know, he can he can handle that assignment uh, and give you a lot more versatility and multiplicity on your defense. And uh, you know, he he's he's got some work to do in terms of the way he tackles, but he'll get downhill and he'll get himself in position to make plays. And you know. Kind of like I said earlier, guys that are 6'4", 220 just shouldn't move like he does, should not be as fluid. And he, he's just a special, special uh, physical specimen who could play football. And, um, you know, don't be surprised if he goes not go in the top 32. And I think it's I think it'd be really out of the question for him to be available at this point in the draft.
1: I kind of figured as much, but I was hoping that you would say, yeah, it's possible. You know, I mean, <laughs> give, give me that uh, that false sense of hope there. Uh, there's a, a guy that I'm really uh, kind of struggling to put him in a box anywhere. And and let me kind of preface this with, anymore, the more I'm you know, uh, at, at a game or you actually get to see the size of these guys as they're playing in the NFL – Size from the edge is huge, especially up front. I mean, anything over six, anything six three or over, and with uh, extremely long arms, it seems there's a definite uh, advantage to these guys. And and not always the guy. And I and the guy that I constantly see in my head when I talk about this is D Ford, but D Ford's only six two. At least they have him that. And I'm telling you, I was on the field next to this guy, and if he's six two, then I, I'm I'm not sure how tall I am because I I think I'm 62 and if he's 62 I'm 64. You know, that it just doesn't make sense to me, but he is so big and so long and it's it's an innotable disadvantage to the offensive lines. There's a guy who comes in he's not that kind of player, but there's a lot of these 64 65 guys in this draft that aren't that extreme bend you know like D Ford or have the the outside leverage type uh with the speed that can get around the inside or outside for the tackles but guys like Jordan Willis out of Kansas State he's a guy that I liked on tape a lot but I see him more as a bull rush guy uh, a little bit more he's not a guy who's going to you know be able to fend anybody off getting around the tackle and I'm curious kind of where you see him just in a box uh, third round fourth round I'm just what do you see in him?
0: So, so Jordan Willis is a pure effort power guy. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and to your point, you know, he's going to carry his rush angles, nine yards upfield, and he doesn't have enough twitch or bend to corner you know, around that edge and, and just run that arc and, and be able to come back underneath pads with, with bend all the things you just said and get to the, to the quarterback. So you worry about a guy that's just that stiff, you know, he just, I just don't see him being able to get that edge against the NFL uh, caliber offensive tackle. So he's a guy that is, I think, ultimately going to be a much better college player than he was in the NFL. Uh, you know, you would never want to overlook that the guy made plays. The guy has incredible production he he uh, didn't do well in the senior bowl practices but in the game i think he had two sacks and a forced fumble you know mm-hmm. so he shows up I, every time he shows up with big plays but uh from what you think wins in the nfl he doesn't really have that mm-hmm. um so you know it's it's I, I i like a lot more flexibility in twitch and bend in my edge rushers and so a guy like jordan willis is a guy that i'm not going to value as much because he doesn't give me those traits that that from when I watch NFL football, I know what wins. And usually that type of stiffness is not a recipe for a a consistent uh, pass rusher. So, um, you know, I think in the fourth, fifth round, I think you start thinking about it. But a lot of that's going to be dictated on, you know, who's available. And, um, you know, do you have players that were higher rated that just, you know, are, are shouldn't be there in the fourth round. And that's probably true for most teams. And, um, you know, I think that you're going to probably let those those types of players be someone else's risk-reward, in my opinion, and, you know, go ahead and get you a player that, you know, checks more boxes.
1: And yeah, see, so he was kind of making me wonder if he was a guy even that could be uh, possibly later into the, the sixth round or something like that that is going to be a guy that a team drafts simply for, uh, their sub packages just to have an extra guy be able to, to collapse the pocket more or less that he doesn't really have a position almost that he's somewhere in between uh, a, a defensive tackle, defensive end and an edge guy, you know, just a guy who's he's, cause he's definitely strong. I mean, you watch the guy on tape and he is definitely strong. He definitely has, he gets his momentum going and he he's able to produce a lot of leverage and get some tackles and some guards on their heels so that, I mean, there's definitely a place for that in the league, but like you said, I mean, how much of a place, you know, he's not a guy that you're going to send after the, the passer, uh, at a constant rate or anything like that. So I was just curious, one, to get your opinion on him. He was a guy that I've liked quite a bit, but, uh, like I said, I've had a hard time kind of placing him
0: anywhere. Right. Yeah. It's tough because there's not a whole lot of value behind what you just said, right? If he's a pocket collapse on sub packages, uh, you know, I just don't know what type of You know that seems that seems like a very ordinary ability, right? So, um, wishing the best. You know, I I, that's (laughs) one of the hard. It's the hard part about this because if you if anybody follows me on Twitter, I don't say a lot of negative things about prospects. It's the worst. You know, they're 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 all searching their names, their parents, their girlfriends, their families all looking their names up and I, you know it, it, my job is to evaluate these players and then they take it personal and i'm sure they you know that i would too but at the end of the day you know we all got our job to do mine's to evaluate and give opinions and yours is to become a great football player and you know all the best because i think low of you as a player doesn't mean that I hope that you don't do well. I literally hope everyone achieves every bit of success that they can. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm I'm tasked with with making hardline opinions on players and, you know, I got to trust what what I'm seeing and the reality is not everybody's going to be a great player. So, it's uh it's the it's the uh it's just part of the job, man. <laughs> yeah, and not
1: only that, but you've got guys that are already the 1% who are fighting to be the 1% of the 1%. Yeah, and that's that's a hard thing to do. So I, I I would hope that I mean you know these are guys getting ready to try to make this their career, uh, but I, I find it really hard to ever try to say uh, this guy's not good. If you're not good because you're not the one percent of the one percent, then I think that you need to uh, kind of reel back your expectations <laughs> just a touch. So, uh, man. Joe, I really appreciate you coming on. So far, you've done great. You know, I started to think you didn't like the Colts because you were going to give us a, a running back, and but you, you've given us uh, Derek Rivers also, and you've given us a couple guys to look at there in the secondary in the third round. And so far through three rounds, it looks like the Colts have have done a pretty good job so far in their draft, getting a couple defenders and also getting uh, what we would hope at least to be a uh, a franchise running back over the next uh, five to seven years.
0: Yeah and that's that's just it this the how much he can do for that offense and getting that getting that running game behind Andrew Luck to you know help him to make the offense better make the offense more explosive and you know maybe get you back to the the points that Got the, you know, the Colts, their dynasty there for a while was predicated on offense and explosive scoring. And, you know, it's always been, it's always been an issue on defense. I don't remember the last time the Colts were good on defense and, um, you know, they, they, they have a lot of flexibility here with with free agents and you know what we'll see how it all shapes up there, there's a lot coming there's a lot of information that's gonna be available here on these prospects and who the colts are able to to acquire in free agency and uh, you got a good gm you know, chris ballard was a great great hire and you know you should be excited about him calling the shots on the roster and you know i think the colts the colts will uh colts will figure it out i like their direction that they're headed I do too. We are excited
1: as a fan base. I do know that, and I know that uh, largely Colts fans right now have more trust in Chris Ballard uh, just simply uh, because he's in house than they ever had. I think in Ryan Grigson necessarily in that um, you know not not a personal shot by any means, but I also think it's absolutely accurate. Uh, the guy comes in, uh, he's got a background, and not a background of treating people a, a bad sort of way. Whereas, you know, people kind of always got that. You know, uh, Grixon kind of just looks like the, you know, the, the greasy vacuum salesman that, you know, stiffed your grandma or something like that and just doesn't uh, just doesn't uh, just on site doesn't uh, turn people on. But, you know, you have yeah. Chris Bauer, on the other hand, it kind of looks like the boy next door sells selling you the vacuums you know or something <laughs> like, uh, like yeah. that so yeah. it's it's kind of a it's a lot of perception uh in general uh as little as anybody actually knows that what goes on back in those offices sure. and behind the scenes it's it's a very interesting pro, uh situation and I and I honestly I can't wait to see the direction that the Colts go in the draft and free agency because we are about to to f- go full force into the next two months of nothing but building this roster and the Colts are going to have or the Colts fans are going to have a real good idea of where they're going to go uh, this next year I think here in just the next sixty days or so so once again Joe fantastic stuff from you really appreciate you um, for coming on. Can you tell everybody here where they can catch you on Twitter and where they can find your work as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Marino. Uh, all of our written work is uh is on fanragsports.com so you can uh, watch or read <laughs> read everything there and uh and also co-hosting the draft dudes podcast if you want to hear NFL draft talk three times a week we've got that for you monday, wednesdays and fridays so uh twitter's the best place to just kind of keep up uh, keep up with all of it and we got a lot of exciting things coming and uh yeah it's a, this was a blast talking talking football with you and it's um you know uh, the first the first uh, off season under a new GM is always quite revealing, so uh, this should be a fun ride ma- monitoring the Colts over the next several months.
1: Absolutely, it was great. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, if you guys haven't subscribed to the Draft Dudes podcast, please go do that. Really good stuff. If you guys were on, uh, checked out the Locked On Network. Previous to that, they uh, Kyle and Joe both did the Locked On NFL Draft. They've kept that going with the Draft Dudes podcast. It's one of my daily listens. It's a fantastic show. These guys know their stuff. You know that by now. And you get constant content uh for your ears it's like a a little bit uh it's like roses for your ears when you hear these guys talk about everything that they know it's nothing but just sponging in all this information that you and i and everybody else couldn't possibly do on their own but these guys are doing it so please go out and check out their stuff make sure you're subscribing and you guys are on all the uh, platforms right now correct
0: yeah, all the platforms. So Facebook, we are uh, com slash NDT Scouting. And then Twitter at the Joe Marino. Kyle is at NDT Scouting. And then Draft Dudes, you can find that on uh, iTunes or Audio Boom or however you like to listen to
1: podcasts. Love it, love it. Uh, and thank you Colts fans. And Thank you guys. Make sure you guys are getting out and subscribing to this podcast, Lock Dog Colts. Make sure you guys are giving me ratings and reviews on iTunes. Those are always fantastic. I truly appreciate it because as you well know by now, we have had this show grow considerably since I started taking it over and we, and we grew it together from the bottom and that's the way we're going to continue to do it. So thank you for that and continue to do that. Tell a friend, tell your mom, uh, get them on the podcast, tell them what they need to be looking for and everything else, and, and let's get excited because we're about to get to the Combine. I will be down there as well. And then we're going to have free agency kick up immediately after that almost, and then it's then we're less than 30 days uh, to the draft. So we've got an exciting time ahead of us. So everybody stay tuned. We're going to continue to come back with more con- uh, quality content, and I will check you guys all out on Friday right here on Locked on Colts. You are Locked On Colts, your daily podcast on the Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music